it's just good to be with everybody today, and we're starting a brand new series on marriages and relationships called Save the Date. And what I want you to um, get prepared for throughout uh, the four Sundays in February is that we want to invest in marriages, but also uh, so much of this applies in getting prepared for marriage, as well as any relationship in your life uh, benefits from just really good relational skills. And so the Bible is very big on this. In fact, Jesus talks about um, people saying, hey, could you just like sum up all these laws and all these rules, and, and, and God makes it incredibly relational. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so some neighbors are easier to love than others. Can I get an amen? Come on. Yeah, of course, anybody who said anything was not talking about the person next to them. Of course not. We, we, we're, we're probably talking about somebody who's not here, and that's fine, but... Um, I, I have often heard it said that where two or more gather, there will be issues. <laughs> that, that's, that's why we need God in the midst going, okay, come on. This person has quirks and idiosyncrasies, and this person rolls a, liver, a little different and has different temperaments. And uh, I have a mentor who's also a counselor. He's, he, my wife and I, we, we, we go through marital counseling as well. It's not a bad thing. It's a great thing, and I highly recommend it if you haven't uh, thought about it or if you've been resisting it. And one of the things he says is marriage is kind of like God's probably laughing uh, in heaven because we think we got it all together. And we, there are so many different temperaments. There are so many different personalities. There are people who are introverted and extroverted. One person wants to go out. The other one never wants to go out. Come on. One person wants to be in a large scene. One wants to be left alone for a movie. Come on. We all have different uh, temperaments and personalities and come from different sides of the block and uh, maybe even different ages and everything. And so it doesn't matter if it applies in marriages. It applies in our workplace. It applies in our school projects. It applies anywhere where two or more gather come on we need to benefit from relational skills and also winning because god has winning in mind and he wants to ultimately touch people now let me say this as we get into this series that um, my wife and i are about to celebrate 18 years of marriage next month come on Y'all give it up for her. She's put up with me for 18 years plus. Y'all know what I'm talking about, all right? And, and, and uh, I, I want to say this, that um, there are problems in our marriage. We're both humans. <laughs> that, that, that's part of it. And the other part of it is that I'm a Cajun, which reminds me it, that I can best explain that to you in a Boudreaux joke I once heard. Boudreaux, Thibodeau, and Jean-Pierre all got married to beautiful ladies, but they all come from different states. Now, Jean-Pierre, he married a woman from Utah, and when he married this woman, he said, I need you to do two things. I need you to clean the dishes, and I need you to keep the house clean. Well, after the first day, he didn't see much progress. After the second day, he saw a little bit more. But by the third day, she had that house clean, and the dishes were all done. Now, Thibodeau, he married a woman from uh, Tennessee, and, and he told her, you have to clean the dishes, keep the house clean, and 
have a dinner on the, uh, on the table every single evening. Well, Thibodeau didn't see much progress after the first day, and he, he saw very little more progress the second day. But by the third day, he got home three checks, man. The house was clean, the dishes were done, and there was a hot meal on the plate. Now, Boudreaux, he married a Cajun woman. And he, Boudreaux told this Cajun woman, you better keep the laundry done, the dishes clean, the house in order, mow the grass, and provide a hot meal every single evening. Now, Boudreaux didn't see much progress on the first day, and he didn't see anything the second day. But by the third day, the swelling in his left eye went down a little bit, and he could see a little bit more than he could. <laughs> All right, not condoning any sort of domestic abuse, but some people can relate to, okay, there's some tension in expectations and what's going on. And us Cajuns are hard to deal with, okay? We, we got Southern hospitality, but we can be a handful. And I just want to make this disclaimer up front. I, I, anything I share from here, we, we are learners. My wife and I do not have it all figured out. We do have arguments. We do have to work through situations. And I believe each person can be a comfort because you've done that too in your life. And here's what I do know is that I'm determined to be a lifelong learner of my wife, to learn how to love her well, to learn how uh, uh, to grow with her and to love her well. And I believe God is determined to partner with anybody who will have that same spirit. In fact, uh, James 4 verse 6 says, God opposes the proud, but he, look, read these next two words out loud, gives grace to the humble. And so I believe this series is for anyone who will humbly approach the next four weeks looking to learn. Can I say this? If you're married during the next four weeks, this is not the series to be uh, elbowing your, your spouse. This is not the series to, to, you know, go home. Did you listen to that message? Because it was more for you than it was for me. Okay. Anyway, you, you, can, you can share it. Maybe share it to other people in your lives. Maybe not your spouse. Because here's what I'm asking, that you would allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you this whole time. And if you're single or you're single again, we have not forgotten about you, nor has the Lord forgotten about you. We're going to be talking about some of that. In fact, today, I'm going to begin this series talking about what it means to be single and secure. I told you last week, one of our favorite stats around here is that the average age of impact of Lift Church is 24 years old, which means we got a lot of young people and college people in here. Can we put our hands together for all the young people who are pursuing Jesus? Come on, you guys represent one of the least reached American generations in our history. And God chose you to be a light in the midst of it. So do not be discouraged. God's got a big plan for you. But also, I am so grateful for everybody who's much older than that, who live as mentors, live as light among us. They share wisdom and counsel. I love some of have signed up to lead small groups or be in small groups so that we're around them and we're learning from I have benefited greatly from older people who have done it well and we are still benefiting from them come on I've run into people and I say when are you gonna write your marriage book when are you gonna write your parenting book because I want to read it and so we need to be determined guys to be lifelong learners so this week I'm going to talk about 
being single and secure. Next week, I'm going to talk about um, communication and marriage, a message I've started uh, writing entitled Marriage Unmuted, and I believe it's going to really bless you. On the third week, we might get a little bit PG-13 because I'm going to talk about sex a little bit, all right? So if you've got young people, I think this will be age appropriate for anyone, uh, high school and more, middle school at your discretion. Great news is we have an amazing kids ministry every single Sunday. So on the third week is really a time to think about if they don't typically do that and you want to have sensitive ears, maybe on the third week, lean into that. But let me tell you, the third week's never going to be easier to invite a man to church. Come on. You're like, would you come with me to church? Uh, church is not for me. They're talking about sex and how it's going to be amazing. I'll be there. Come on. That, you know how I many first time visitor cards we get from men on, on a topic of sex? No, anyway. <laughs> statistically i read this as i've been preparing statistically men think about it way too often every 11 seconds so anyway invite a man up to week three okay and then on the fourth week we have amazing things planned so make sure you lean in every single week but i want to dive in today on this message i've entitled single and secure would you pray with me father we want to have hearts open and regardless of our relational status single engaged married single again whatever it is father i pray no spirit of condemnation allowed to enter this room or to the ears of everyone listening online and i pray instead that father you would do what your spirit does best that you would convict our hearts that you would encourage our hearts and that you would move us and shape us into being better followers of you in jesus name i pray and if you agree with that you could say amen I think we make mistakes in life when we oftentimes are uh, told by our culture that the point of life is to get married. We put so much pressure on getting married in American society, and we put so much pressure in finding Mr. Right, finding the right one, finding someone that I can live with. And the point of life is not to get married. In fact, the point of marriage is to tell you the point of life. And that is, find the lover of your soul and never let him go. The point of marriage, and one of the things that I do when I officiate marriages is I remind people that, yes, this is about a, a husband and a wife being married today, but it's ultimately about a metaphor that's even higher than all of that, and that is this, find the ultimate lover of your soul, the creator of life, the one who loves you better than any other human being could possibly love you, the one who knits you together in your mother's womb, as Pastor JT was teaching, the one who forms you and knows you. Find the lover of your soul and never let him go. The Bible is full of a great metaphor that Jesus is the bridegroom and we the church are the bride and we are called to find him and to marry him and never let him go. What God has brought together let no man ever separate. That is the point of life. We think oftentimes the point of life is to get married but the point of marriage is to remind us of the point of life. 
find the one who loves us and never let us go. In fact, the Apostle Paul, who wrote so much of our New Testament, he, was, he met Jesus in his resurrected form. He had an encounter with him as, Jesus, as God knocked him off of his horse, and he realized that who God really was, and he dedicated his life to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And so much of it is recorded. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he writes a whole chapter about marriage. And let me encourage you with the words he said, starting with verse 7. I wish that all of you were as I am. He was single. He's saying, I wish there were more single people. You're like, what? But each of you has your own gift from God. One has a gift. Another has that gift. Now to the unmarried and to the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. Well, Pastor Drew, that's not what my culture says. And sometimes even church folk put a lot of pressure on me to find the right person and to be in a dating relationship and to be seeking out different things like that. And yet the Apostle Paul says it's better to be unmarried because marriage will distract you from the point of life. Find the lover of your soul and never let him go. I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and my wife and I served as youth leaders for another six years before that. I've been in youth ministry for 16 years. It is full court press what's going on after our single people that you have to be in relationship. You don't have much value if you're not. You must be ugly if you're not. You must not be someone people like if you're not. And you, you need to be uh, putting out. You need to be having relationships. You need to be running the bases. You need to be having something to talk about in locker rooms. You need to be having it on your device. And there is a full court press. All of it is centered around something must be wrong with you if you don't have a significant other and you're taking steps in that path. Paul is saying all of that stuff is a distraction. And what I found time and time again is that young people dating oftentimes get way more distracted in their relationship with God. I would see it patternistically. And you know what? It's true of adults, too, who are single again. Sometimes our focus can go from hey to hey. Where you been lately? Oh, I'm just pursuing this. I'll be back after. But that person's not the point of life. Paul is saying this, it's not heaven-bearing whether you get married or not. He'll go on to say, oh, it's a good thing, and I, I'm not trying to throw shade on marriage, and I'm not trying to tell you not to. I'm just trying to tell you that if you can stay single, you'll actually be an incredible blessing to the kingdom. In fact, we need to do a better job helping single people realize singleness is a gift some of the most giving, generous, evangelistic, uh, 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 faith-sharing, serving people are the ones who are, in, um, who, who are in a single stage of life. And God uses them to do significant things because what does marriage do? Uh, it oftentimes distracts us and you know you've got to work on it when you're married. And some of you who are single, just bring me a handheld mic. I don't know why this is messing up so much, but make sure you bring me the MC mic if you don't mind. Um, uh, but, but some of us who are single are probably saying, Pastor Drew, I'd like to exchange that gift. I don't want that gift anymore. <laughs> Give me a different gift. And I get it. But the Apostle Paul says this, that dating and marriage can be a huge distraction to the real point of life. 
And so this is what he says in verse 35 when he explains what he's talking about is the real point. He says, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in, check this out, undivided devotion to the Lord. He's saying that's what the point of life is, to have undivided devotion to the Lord. Find the lover of your soul and never let him go. But I know statistically, more in this room and online are going to end up marriage, uh, married than not married. And so the real question as we approach marriage has to become, how do I meet someone to marry who will bless, not curse, the purpose of my life? How do I meet someone to marry who will bless, not curse, the purpose of our life? And so... Um, we oftentimes approach the question, uh, the young culture might ask this question, how do I meet someone today? Do I find them on TikTok? Do I find them on dating apps? Do I find them on uh, 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 Christian Mingle? Do I find them at church? Do I go to the bar room? Do I, do I make sure I attend all these parties? Where am I going to find Mr. Wright? But maybe we should start by asking, how do I become the right person? Not how do I find the right person, and that occupies so much of our brain power, but how do I become the right person? Because you don't attract what you want, you attract who you are. I grew up in high school being the nice guy. And I was in a relationship, and I remember that as soon as we went to college, she went to one college, I went to another, and I found out that she was cheating on me, and I decided this, this that nice guys finish last, and so I'm not going to treat women the way I was raised to treat women. And I went on a tangent where I, didn't, I wasn't the person that I was raised to be, nor that Christ calls me to be. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And what I discovered is while I might have gotten attention from the type of females I wanted attention from the closer I got to them the more I realized this is okay for a moment but I would not want to spend the rest of my life with this person I do not want to hang out in this environment for the rest of my life and I do not want to raise kids with this being an influencer I realized that who I had become was not what I was attracting what I wanted you got to understand that you don't attract what you want. You attract who you are. I love what Andy Stanley says about this. Become the type of person the person you're looking for is looking for. I need to say that again. If you're single, you should become the type of person that the person you're looking for is looking for. Because people are not attracted by what you want. People are attracted by who you are. And so here's three qualities you need before marriage. I hope you'll write this down if you're married. These are three qualities hopefully you have established, and maybe I'll encourage you to work on at least one of them today. So lean into this message too. But for those who are single, I just pray that you would lean into these three qualities and make this about how do I become the right person. Number one, be secure in Christ. The number one quality you need before you get married is to become secure in Christ. In fact, write this down. If you want to end up married and happy, start single and secure. If you want to end up married and happy, start single and secure. I think Jerry Maguire lied to us all, and an entire generation 
bought it hook, line, and sinker. Because we love movies like The Notebook. We love romance ones. And when, 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 uh, what's his name? Come on. I want to, uh, um, Jerry Maguire. No, what's his name? Come on, Tom Cruise. When Tom Cruise looks there and goes, you complete me. We buy this idea that what is incomplete in my life will be completed by a significant other. Therefore, I must make my pursuit to find something that completes me. But it's a big counterfeit, and it's a big lie. Jerry Maguire might have sold a lot of tickets, but marriage does not complete you. Only Christ completes you. Colossians 2, verse 9 and 10 says, For in Jesus Christ... All the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form, and you have been made complete in Christ. Not complete in a girl, not complete in a guy, not complete in a dating relationship, not complete the moment I get a ring on it. Come on, no. We need to figure out the fact that I am already complete, and I don't need you to complete me. And when you become secure in Christ, you become the most complete you possibly can be, which ends up being a blessing the moment you meet Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright. Can I get an amen? So let me give you an example that um, it's like this illustration that marriage is like this cup. And we've always heard that the two become one, but that doesn't mean the two isn't made up of two different halves. And what we bring to the table is two different halves trying to blend into one. And I I don't have to explain this to you. So many of you already know. Let me get my little dish out so that this doesn't go everywhere, including on my iPad. Come on. I've been known to make messes all to make a point made. That when we start having life pour into us, that the vessel is only as strong as the lowest half. In other words, something that we teach in premarital is this. You can only be as healthy as the least healthiest half you because two are becoming one now as I pour into this and as life pours into us you will see that it's overflowing but here's the thing I didn't use colored water because many people uh, have this experience in their relationship I don't see us leaking water I don't see issues in our relationship and that's because it takes intentionality to look a little bit closer and to stop hiding behind uh, things that we want people to perceive us as and instead go no we are leaking water over here and there are areas that we can work on in our relationship and oftentimes it begins with paying attention to me let me give you a marriage tip before I go any further on this illustration if you're already married assume you are the lower half If both parties assume that they are the lower half and need to be worked on, you know how tall and secure your relationship can be. But the moment you start believing, he's the lower half. She's the lower half. You listening to this illustration? That's what I've been trying to say. No, 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 no. The moment we start doing that, the moment we start lowering both sides. And we start realizing that we're, 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 we're not what we need to be. Now, when I had this cup crafted this week, I asked them to keep the top half because oftentimes we can do this one right here. No, I'm good. 
There's nothing to work on in my life. We are equals. But the thing is that we can say all we want to say about ourselves. But if you could see, is it leaking on the front? Maybe I got a slant up here on the stage. Let's see if it keeps doing it because you'll see we are leaking in the crevices of life. And something I notice is that when life pours in rapidly, what we have been deceiving ourselves into believing and trying to convince ourselves in believing, this is how relationships break. This is when we start to say divorce is an option. Separation is an option. Because I wasn't willing to look at how to make me secure in Christ. And so if you want to be in the best relationship possibly, I just wanted to rhyme there, work with me. If you want to be in the best relationship you can, work on being secure on your own in Christ so that when you meet that person, you will be bringing the most secure half you possibly can to the relationship. Can I get an amen? Come on. Listen, when we let Christ complete us, we become more secure. And when we're more secure, we're less wavering, clingy, jealous, desperate, or, well, insecure. But when we let Christ complete us, there's security, there's sturdiness, there's foundation, and we can hold more water regardless of what life throws at us. So, um, number two, become strong in character. The first thing you need to focus on is becoming secure in Christ. The second thing is to become strong in character. You can't build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. If you want to be right with God and if you want to be a blessing and if you want to benefit from his, his life-giving purpose, we have to work on our character. You might say, what character trait should I work on? Well, the Apostle Paul was discipling a man named Timothy, and he said this, Timothy, set an example for believers in speech. You know, you can learn a lot about one's character by the way they talk. I was raised in Southern hospitality. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. Paid off really well when I met her mom. Yes, ma'am. You want more Scrapple? Yes, ma'am. Oh, Lord. I'm just telling y'all, Scrapple is not a creation of God. That is a man-made creation. Come on. But I just, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I love that stuff. Did you make it yourself? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Anyway. I don't know, it's probably not you, but I've been around other people who have shown their character less attributable, less honorable by the words that they let out of their mouth. You ever seen someone's character exposed whenever they get pressed? He says, set an example to the believers in speech. He said, set an example to the believers in conduct. Let me ask a question, does your behavior speak on your behalf? If you are introducing someone you just met to someone else and they're like oh yeah I saw them the other day on their sports team they were filling the blank it says a lot about their character right oh yeah I saw them in the store the other day oh I saw them the other day when the barista got their order wrong <laughs> oh yeah I saw them the other day talking to my mama oh I saw them the other day at school what does your behavior say about your character he says, in speech, in conduct, also be an example in love. Do you love those who only offer you something back in return? Or do you love on people who can never repay you? It says a lot about your character. He says, set an example um, in love, in faith. Do you go to church on your own? Do you pray on your own? 
Do you tithe on your own? Do you live for God on your own, or are you waiting for someone else to go, okay, now that we're in a relationship, now I'll take God seriously? No, he says, be an example in your faith, and then finally, in your purity. What does your purity say about your character? Don't let pop culture fool you. Pornography, self-gratification, and hookup culture always negatively impact your character. We are in a full court press society that pretty much tries to introduce this stuff as young as possible, normalize it as much as possible. In fact, Nancy Piercy, who was, who was acclaimed by The Economist as the um, uh, uh, foremost intellectual female evangelical writer, she said this about the topic that I think we should listen to about hookup culture. She said, people are not machines and you cannot surgically separate your emotions from what you do with your bodies. Culture tries to tell, especially females, try to separate what you do from how you feel. In fact, the quicker you do it, the cooler you will be. She is saying, that is impossible. We're not robots. We're not systems. God intertwined it all. And we have to realize that hookup culture, self-gratification, pornography, all these things are counterfeits from a relationship with the King of Kings and what he wants you to experience in your soon-to-be marriage. So never buy the lie that your purity is not as important as it used to be. In fact, I wrote it down this way. You want the best sex imaginably? Protect your purity. If you want one day to have the best sex imaginably, protect your purity. Sex was something created by God. He's not ashamed of it. But when we use it outside of the context that he created it for, we become shameful. Adam and Eve, they were born naked and without shame. But the moment they sinned, they realized the nakedness in their life and they began to hide things. If you want to no hiding anything type marriage one day, if you want a high trust marriage one day, if you want security, start single and secure. And it works in your purity too. Can I get an amen? Finally, number three. You should be secure in Christ, strong in character, established in community. The, the band can come join me real quick. But the healthiest people are rooted in great community. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. It's what Gene Mayo once said. And it's so very true. Who you roll with tell us a lot about who you are becoming and who you are likely to turn out to be. Proverbs 13:20 says, "Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces." What kind of community are you established in? As a single, don't wait to establish mentors, pastors, life models, coaches, people who will stand with me, small group leaders who will know who I am and coach me and encourage me into the walk and the person that I should be. Don't wait till you're in a relationship till you pay attention to it. Proverbs 11:14 says, where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. You know, last week, if you caught the message, I taught all about the vision of Lift Church, and I used the parable of Jesus feeding 5,000. And one thing I noticed as I was talking to the staff the very next day on Monday, I was talking to our staff about how pumped I am that it's small group Sunday. Guys, 
you need a small group. You need to be established in a community. You don't need to be. I, I used to go to a church, and I was a nameless nobody in the crowd, and because of it, I never caught on to a relationship with Jesus. I was inspired from Sunday to Sunday, but I didn't root, and I didn't give my life to it. But it was when I got into relationships, and I was established in community, that that's when God started to work, and I was so pumped, and I started thinking about this. When Jesus fed 5,000, what was his command? Have them sit in circles. Jesus says this. Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups. In other words, you want to be an isolated one? You want to be separated? No soup for you. You want fish? Sit down in a circle. Get in community. Think about it with me. Jesus could have made the bread and the fish magically appear on everybody's lap, right? He could have left them as isolated people in a big crowd. And he could have just said, hey, three, two, one, voila. It could have happened that way, right? He's God. Instead, he said, let's slow the process down. Let's make it in a kitchen and let's only have 12 servers. Some wise people might have said, we might want to have like 50 servers. There's more than 5,000 people here. This is going to take forever. Anybody ever showed up to a restaurant and they're like, you only got two servers working today? Hello, how long are we going to be here? I wonder if that wasn't all intentional on Jesus' part. It's not that the kitchen is slow. It's I need you to realize that part of the message is getting into circles of community. You want to be fed? Get in a circle. We need to sign up for small groups. In fact, they're going to put um, a link right now to our website because today's Small Group Sunday. And I give you permission to stop right here and sign up for a small group today. If they don't have the link on there, go to liftsby.com. There it is right there. Sweet. Take a picture of that, and I give you permission to use your phone in the experience because I truly believe that one of the best things you can do is to find a small group. You might say, Pastor Drew, I'm not comfortable with that. Get comfortable with it because you... Satan loves to attack gazelles that are all isolated by themselves. He loves to eat sheep who have wandered off by themselves. But when you're in a pack and you're sitting in circles, that's when you get most fed. I don't believe that the best meals we offer are on a Sunday morning. I believe the best meals we offer are in small groups in different people's homes. Find a small group. And if you need a recommendation, if you have not done the Freedom Group, I believe everybody in the church should do that. If you have, listen, there are so many amazing groups. I think there are marriage groups. There are fun groups. There are serious groups. There are deep dive groups. And there are relational groups. Come on, find a small group and sign up for it before you leave today. So let me finish by saying, instead of trying to find the right person, why don't we focus on becoming the right person? You don't attract who you want. You attract who you are. So start by being single and secure. Start by being secure in Christ. Start by being strong in character. And start by being established in community. Can I pray over you right now? Unless you're still finding a small group, would you just open up your hands and receive this prayer right where you are? Father, I pray blessings over your people. God, you want us to love you with all of our heart. You want us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so, Father, I pray whether our neighbor is our spouse, a future relationship in a romantic kind of way, 
even friendships, even co-workers and students. God, I pray over our young people that have to be berated by a message that is countercultural to what you have set up. And Father, your word is not old school. Your word is not outdated. For you love us and your word is to protect us. So Father, give us the audacity to follow your word and to lean into your ways because your ways are higher than our ways. Your ways are better than our ways. Father, for those who are leaning into it, I pray courage right now. I pray wind in their sails. I know you're going to bless them. Father, I thank you for the marriages in this, in, in this community and in this church. Father, I pray blessings on them. And Father, of the three that we need to work on, help us to be secure in Christ, not secure in our spouse completing us. Father, help us to be strong in character, not leaning or, or falling back from the way we used to be. Father, help us be established in community and not isolated. We love you, Lord. We give you ourselves in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to talk to those who haven't started a relationship with Jesus or you've wandered too far from your relationship with Jesus. Listen, signing up for a small group can do about a third of what I suggested for you today. The big one is to become secure in Christ. And the best way to become secure in Christ is to get the sin out of the way. Thankfully, the Son of God came to seek and save the lost. Jesus himself said, I did not come to condemn you. I came to save you. And so like I said in the beginning, God wants to lift you up and he wants the best for your life. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I will not call you down and I will not embarrass you. But I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the ultimate lover of your soul. It's God in heaven who has always been for you, not against you. He gave his best, his one and only son, to die in the place of your sin. And he wants to wipe it away today. All you have to do is repent and just say, God, I want to give you my life. If that's you in this place, would you just throw your hand high into the sky real quickly and you can put it back down. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. I trust you, Lord. If you're online, you say, that's me, Pastor Drew. I want to start, give my life, surrender to him. Ask him to forgive me of my sins. Just write in the chat, I'm in. And I give him my life. And let's pray together as a church. Repeat after me, especially if you raised your hand. Let's say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm a sinner. I've made many mistakes. And I know I've hurt you. I'm asking you to forgive me. Father, I give you my life. I believe that you, Jesus Christ, are the Son of God. And when you died on that cross, you took my place. Father, I love you. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray.